Okay. So on the middle of Chafhayamad Bez, today's daf is daf Chavav. On the middle of daf Chafhayamad Bez, we mentioned a machlaikas between Abai and Rava about a person who's um, put into a situation against their will where they need to have forbidden benefit from something. So Abai says that it's mutter and Rava says that it's usr. Okay, Abai says, listen, it's against your will, the whole thing, it's mutter to get on up. And Rava said, it is not mutter. Now we're getting into the background of the machlaikas. We're up to Aleph, Omar Abaye, the end of the third line on 26a. Omar Abaye, Abaye says, How do I know that if somebody is forced into a situation, you may get Hana'a? He would sit in the shade of the tall Heichal, of the Beis HaMikdash. He would give shear there. Rabbi Yechonah and Zakai Shiurim were so big, there was no venue that can host it. It was an outdoor amphitheater, an outdoor venue, and they would sit in the shade of the Heichal. The Heichal was tall, and they would sit in the shade of the Heichal. But one second, isn't the Heichal holy? He gave shir the entire day. That was the only place for him to give shir. Over here, it was layav shir. There was no other option. This is the only place, only location for his shir, for his yeshiva. Now, but why is he sitting in the shade? Obviously, because the shade is helping him. So you see, when something must be, you're allowed to have kavona to gain from it. Otherwise, it would have been me'ila, the shari. And it's allowed, and it's not considered like you're gaining from Hekdish. Boom, Gavaldik. We have a Raya that when something is Aynas, it just had to be, I'm allowed to intend to benefit. What's Rava going to say about that story? Rava, my Rava is going to say, no, shiny Hechol, the Hechol is different. The Lesoichai Asui. Me'ila on using something in the Beis HaMikdash is only to use it in the usual way. The purpose of the Heichel walls were not to give shade to the outside. The purpose of the Heichel walls were to protect what was inside. And Memela, over here, Rabbi Yechon Mezaka and his yeshiva were only using it in an unusual way. They were using it with a shinoi, and that's why intention was permitted. Amar Rabbah, Rabbah says, I'll bring you a source for myself. Okay, so that was a bias source. How does it, what's a bias source? That's something that must be done. You're allowed to, and you have intent. That's okay. From the story of Rabbi Yechonah ben Zaka. Okay. Comes along Rava. And Rava says, I have a raya. How do I know that it's going to be usher? I hold that according to Rabbi Yehud, it's going to be usher. That even though you are forced into that situation, you're not allowed to intend to have benefit. The Tanah, we learned in the Mishnah, Lul in Hayyibzuchim Baliyas Beis Kachi Akadashim. There were skylights in the in the roof of the base of Mikdash above the Kaidash Akadashim. Now, the Kaidash Akadashim was the generator of Kedusha to the entire world for the entire year. And it was a small room that only the Kayan Gadol on the holiest day of the year was permitted to go into the Kaidash Akadashim. What did they do if they ever needed renovations? What'd they do? The, uh, how are the workers going to go in? So they had a, a skylight in the roof of the Kedesh HaKadoshim 
They would drop down the handymen inside of a box. So that their eyes shouldn't feast on the beauty of the Kedesh HaKadoshim. Otherwise, it seems it would have been forbidden. Now, let me ask you a question. Says the Gemara, It's something that needs to be. We need to do renovations. You see from over here that if a person would have intent to benefit, it would be usher. Otherwise, why are you putting them in a box? It must be something that, even though you're forced to be there, but if you would end up intending, you're going to end up doing an Avera, must be it is usher. Right? Must be it's usher, says Rabbi. I saw that uh, that's a good riot. Says the Gemara, one second. How's Rabbi a good proof? Betisbara, is this logical? This, that they would make a hole in the ceiling and drop the handyman down in the box is a good proof that otherwise it's also One second. Listening to sound, seeing something, and smelling something. There's no Isra Me'ila. If you're near the base on Mikdash and they're making a barbecue over a carbon chattas and it smells delicious, like, ah! That smell is mechadik. Or you walk into the base of Mikdash and you're like, wow, look at the beauty, the covet of a base Hashem. That's Me'ila? No, it's not Me'ila. Elamayla also be base Mikdash. Rather, so why they make the box? Really, it wouldn't be an issue. It was a Ma'ila also base Mikdash. It was kind of like an extra safeguard that they did around the Kedesh HaKadosh. Memela, Abai says to Rabbi, you have no proof from the box. Rabbi's proof was. Uh, why they make a box and uh, close the guy in? You see that it would have been usher. Says Abai, no, it wouldn't have been usher. It's a milo. We did it for the base of Mikdash, kind of like to protect everybody. Okay, Ikadamri. There are those who say that Rava had a different proof, as follows. Omar Rava, Rava says, how do I know that it's usher to intend to have benefit, even though you needed to be there?" The title of the Rabbi says, "Omar Bishu Ben Pazi, Omar Bishu Ben Levi, Bishu Merkavar, Bishu Ben Pazi." Says the name Bishu Ben Levi. It seems that it's not considered Mayo Behektish, where it's ruining everything and you're, you're over that Avera, but it seems it's still usher to do. You're not allowed to intentionally smell the gains. Isn't this talking about somebody who's standing inside the base of Mikdash? So why are you there in the first place? It must be you're, 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 uh, they need you. You're an owner who's bringing a carbon shlom. You need to be there. So layafshir, become a chavin, and you have kavana, ba'asir, and we still see that it's going to be asir. Boom! I have a raya. Says the Gemara. No, Maybe we're dealing with those who are standing outside, and that's why it's asir because they don't need to be there in the first place. We don't need you here. What are you doing here? You're coming here just to gain from the smells. You're coming here just to listen to the sound. You don't need to be here, and that's why it's asir. But maybe in a chanami, Abai would be correct that if it would be unavoidable, you must be there, then Itaka would be permitted. Okay. Period. That is the discussion of why Abai holds what he holds, that it's permitted when it's unavoidable, and why Rubba holds what he holds, that it is permitted. Okay. Yes, we're up to the word goofer right now. The word goofer. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, so just to wrap this up, again, 
Rabbi, uh, Rav is going to say that something is going to be usher when it's uh, unavoidable. You're still not, not allowed to intend. And Abai is going to say it's mutter. Here we go. Gufa, piece of a previously quoted Bryce. Let's discuss this. This that, uh, uh, this that a sound and looks and uh, smell is not considered me'ila. Is that true? Smelling something from the base of Mikdash on purpose, taking in the pleasure of the smell, is not going to be Ivram Eila, but we learned in the Brisa. If a person creates the Ketires in order to practice, you're trying to learn how to do it. Or you want to make the Ketires. Why? To donate it to the base of Mikdash. Putter. The halacha is putter. Now, what's this halacha referring to? The Torah tells us a fascinating uh, mitzvah, which is that the ketires must only be done for the Beis HaMikdash. It is aser of kares, to make the ketires for yourself. You're not allowed to make the ketires for yourself. Okay? Now, what this means is you can't make it for your own joy and benefit. Over here, the guy's intention is not for himself. He's doing it either either because either he or somebody else needs practice, or he's making the Ketires, not for himself, but for the Beis HaMikdash. So, Potter, there's no Chiv Kares, if you do it, take it to enjoy for yourself, that's going to be a problem. Um, but a person who smells from the Ketires in the Beis HaMikdash is going to be Potter, because... Rashi explains, the Pasuk says only if you make, create the Ketiris, is there going to be a Chiyav Karis. But just to benefit from the Ketiris, there's no Chiyav Karis. So, HaMereach Potter Elo But it seems that it still is Me'ila. You're not Chiyav Karis, but you're still Ivar Me'ila. How so? Because you took something holy, and you used it for a personal benefit. says, No. No such thing. Don't assume that the Ketiras is no Anything that doesn't have Mamish, anything that has no substance to it, is not considered me'ila, and when it comes to smells, once the smell goes up from the mizbeach, the chiyuv of the ketires is to burn it on the mizbeach. Once it's burnt, nature dictates that the smoke has to go up and go away somewhere. But the smoke itself is no longer a chilek of the mitzvah. The lambdas of Ketiris is to burn it on the mizbech. Once it's burnt, it's not considered hectish anymore. And memela, I'm allowed to completely enjoy the smell. It's not considered meila, and it's not also because whatever needs to be done is done. Says the Gemara, the Mamer, do you mean to say? As long as the mitzvah is done, there's no such thing as meal anymore. What about the chuma sedeshen? The ashes that were cleared off of the mizbeach 
every morning, Denasis Mitzvah, the mitzvah of burning everything overnight was done, and now you're just clearing off the ashes. It's still considered me'il if you use the ashes. You got to put it next to mezbech. It's got to be put on the side and make sure that nobody's uh, benefiting from it. But the whole reason for the ashes was to burn up, was to burn up everything before. You see, even after the fact, something remains with the iser of of uh, something remains with the iser of me'ila. Says the Gemara. You can't bring a proof from the Chuma Sadashan on top of the Mizbeach, the ashes. Why not? Because Chuma Sadashan and the Big Day Kahuna, the worn out garments of the Kayan Gadol, what did, Kayanim, what, what did the, the of any Kayan, what did the Kahanim do when their garments were, uh, got shiny, like we said, you got the shiny pants, right? What did they do once the, uh, the Begadim were no longer usable? There are snakes in my bomb kachat. No one's, you can't just use it for your personal benefit. So you're not allowed to use Shuma Sadashan. You're not allowed to use Big Day Kahuna. So that's a rule of Shnek Suvim Habam Kecha. Those are two halachos, two verses that are teaching me one similar halacha. And the rule is, Whenever the Torah writes two verses to teach me a similar halacha, that means anything similar to that is not included. Fascinating rule. If the Torah would teach me a halacha, in one pasuk, then I would be able to expand the mitzvah. Because I'm supposed to use that verse as a source. But if the Torah writes it in two different places, that's telling me that every time I want it to apply, I need a verse telling me it applies. Otherwise, why did the Torah do it twice in the first place? Don't write it. You could have written it once and I would know everywhere else. You could have written about the Chuma Sadashan. Once you're done, you can't use it and I'll know. Okay, the big day kahuna, even when it's worn out, I can't benefit from it. Why is there a verse written by that to teach me? Specifically to these two places is going to be an issue of Me'ila, but everything else is not a problem. Chuma Sadashan, Hodamarin, the midst of Chuma Sadashan, we said it's got to be put on the side of the Zbeach, he can't benefit. Big day kahuna, and had no the big day kahuna can't be benefited from because it says you need to place the big day kahuna there. Which lets us know it needs to be buried. It's like Seamus. An ordinary person is not allowed to benefit from it. Says the Gemara, okay. And it makes sense according to Rabbanan and the Amri who say, that it's teaching us that it needs to be put into Seamus. But according to Rabdaisa, who argues on the Gemara, and he says, he says, actually, you're allowed to use the big day kahuna. For a standard kayin, in other words, the whole thing of putting aside the the when the when the kayin gadol finished with his the uh, gadim, it does, you don't have to go ahead and put it into shemis. Rather, it means that our standard kayin's allowed to use it. But what do you mean sham? You put it there. All it means is that a kayin gadol has to get a brand new set of begadim every Yom Kippur. You can't wear your previously worn uh, begadim. Semaikala According to the, those who argue on the Rabbana, we have a problem. Why? Because, again, the whole way that we know, the whole source, that sound, smell, um, sight is 
not an issue is because we have from the Big Day Kahuna and from the Trumas Adeshan. But if we argue on the, uh, those who argue on the Rabbanon, you only have the Trumas Adeshan that's usher to benefit from. Because the Big Day Kahuna can still be benefited from by regular Kayin. So if the only thing that's forbidden to benefit from is the Trumas Adeshan, so now I only have one verse. And that one verse, now we should expand it to learn up that it's a problem everywhere. And it should even be forbidden to, or it would be considered me'ila, to benefit from sight, sound, and smell. So our answer is, Okay, so the two Tuxuma Bom Gechot are not Shuma Sadesh and the Big Day Kahuna, rather Shuma Sadesh and Egla Arufa. And whenever you have snakes of a bomb, you're not allowed to expand that halacha. Okay? So, what's the halacha of Egla Rufa? So, um, this is the end of Parsha Shaiftim, where it says that you have a yid that dies in between two cities. One city has to take responsibility for his death. And the way that a city takes responsibility is by saying that if he would have been coming from our city, there's no way we would have we would have allowed a fellow yid to travel in a situation of danger. We care too much about yidin. We never would have sent them off without proper alva, proper escort. So what would they do? When somebody dies in between two cities, they would bring the bate din of each city. Uh, I'm sorry. They, they would bring, they they would measure what's the closest city. That this person is is near, whichever bez, the, whichever city the person's near, they would bring the bez, and the bez would bring an eglarufa. They'd bring a calf, and they would break the back of the calf's neck, and the calf was obligated to be buried right over there. Once it was killed, it was buried. You weren't allowed to eat it. You weren't allowed to use it. You weren't allowed to benefit from it. So you see, another situation, something that's holy that you can't benefit from. So you can't benefit from chumas adeshan. You can't benefit from eglarufa. It must be everything else you are permitted to benefit from. So I should be allowed to benefit from sight, sound, and smell. So Gemara says, okay, honey, what are you going to say? We have two snakes of him. Gemara says, there's two, there's two miutim, there's two expressions of being the mind, of excluding. Ksiv is samu. It says by the Egla Rufa that you need to put it afterwards next to the Mizbeach. What do you mean, Vesomu? It says, you got to put it. It says, leave it next to the Mizbeach. Uksiv Arufa. And it says, the, this animal that has the head that was cut off by the broken neck. And the Mela, since in each of these, um, this is by the Chumas I'm sorry, by the Chumas they put it next to the Mizbeach. By the Egla Rufi of the extra word of Arufa, so each one has an extra pasuk, and since each one has a unique extra word, Memela, it is limited to over there, and you can't expand it any further. Bottom line is, either way, we are leaving off Taka that we're learning out from Truma Sadeshan and Egla Rufa that it's specific to over there that you can't benefit. Other places, you should be allowed to benefit. It's not considered me.
period. Toshma, come and listen. Now, what are we coming and listening to? We're coming and listening to yesterday's Gemara, which was, Machlaikas Abai and Rava. Abai held that it was allowed to benefit when a situation was, uh, was forced, was unavoidable. And Rava was of the opinion that it's prohibited, it's forbidden. Okay, so we still don't know who's right. So that's what we're coming and listening to. We're still trying to figure this out. Toshma, come and listen. If you take a baby and you attach it to work alongside the mother so that it can nurse, Rashi explains, Vidosha and this young calf, Dosha, work together, thresh together with the other cows. Kishera, it still may be used as an egla arufa. The Allah of an egla arufa is that it, was, it has to be an animal that has never worked before in its life. So if you have a young baby calf that you connect to its mother that's working because you need it to be near its mother, yeah, and it did take part a little bit in the work, that's not called enough work, and this baby would still be fit to be an egla arufa. Because, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the, because it's there, why? To eat. However, let's say I connected the baby to the mother because I specifically wanted the calf to play a role in the threshing as well. Psula. So now this animal, the, the baby, cannot be brought, it can't be the eglarufa that's brought out uh, to the mace. It's no longer counted. It's considered like it worked in its lifetime. Says the Gemara, why is it possible? You needed to have that baby with the mother anyway. The baby needs to eat. It needs to nurse. It needs to be near the mother. Over here it's layavshir. Over here it's layavshir. And you have intent. And we still see it is possible. So you see, even when something is forced upon you and you intend... It's taka. It's taka going to lead to a problem. It's usher. Mor says shiny hasam. There it's different. asher It says about an animal. The the qualifications. It has to be a type of animal that work was never done with. Which means mikol makom. No way, no how. No matter what your intention was. No matter whether it needed to be there or not needed to be there. The if it's ever doing any sort of work. With a mother, it disqualifies this calf from working. So it's a unique halacha. That's the Gemara's response. You can't prove from Eglarufa. Why? Because it has a unique pasuk. Ask the Gemara, if it's true that Eglarufa is unique, even in the Reisha of the Brisa, when we say the owner, what was the first halacha? The guy attached the baby to the mother so the baby could nurse. He didn't have any intent to thresh. What did we say? It's Peseder. It's fine, right? There's no issue whatsoever. But I don't understand. Didn't the Pesach just say, Asher uvad ba, that no matter what, work can't be done? In that situation, even though your intent was strictly to nurse, why is it allowed? Bottom line is it worked. It worked. It should be disqualified. Answers the Gemara, no. 
Let's explain. The case of the egla of the baby of the young calf in the ratio with the mother when the intention was strictly to nurse and not to work is unique. Why? Because it's similar to the following case. Let's say you have an animal over here uh, we're dealing, Rashi explains over here, we're dealing with now a paraduma, right? The, a cow that has, that's completely red, doesn't even have two black hairs uh, that grows on it. So the Allah of Eglarufa as well is that it, it may not have worked. It can't be a cow that's ever worked. Worked means not that the owner put it to work. It never slept. It never did anything. Well, what happens if a bird lands on its head? All right? Is it considered carrying a bird that now it worked? Kshayra. It's fine. Ololel Zachar. But let's say another animal mated with the Paraduma. Psula. That's considered active work, and she's going to be possible. Okay? Now, in both cases, the para-aduma was passive. The para-aduma was passive. Says Gemara. So my time, if the para-aduma is passive when it carries a bird, and the para-aduma is passive when a male mates with her, what's the difference? Either way, she's not working. She's passive. Amar Papa says, Iksiv avad on avad. If it means, if it's called avad, that the, uh, the male... Uh, para is considered like he, he worked her. So then the halacha is going to be that the that uh, she only becomes puzzle as a para aduma if the owner worked her. And iksiv uvad, if it means that anybody did work with her, not specific to the owner, the karinon uvad, work was done with her. Was done. Don't do it. I'm the owner. I didn't. I didn't. I never hitched a plow to anything. It happened by itself. I would say even Mamela, when she's passive and not doing, uh, and not doing anything. So even if she carries a bird, that should that should give her a that that should give her a problem. But now that it says it's the word is written, ayin beis dalid, which is written as avad. That it seems the owner Badavka worked her. However, it's written, it's read as Uvad, which is like it was done. So it teaches me Uvad Dumya the Avad. There's some sort of connection between the two, and that is Ma Avad the Just like Avad, when a owner does it, it has to be something that he was happy with. Af Uvad de Nechale. So too, it has to be an Uvad. Work that was done with her that the owner is happy about it. Okay? So if a bird lands, the owner is not happy at all. Doesn't matter. But when another animal uh, tries to mate, that may be different because the owner is happy with what happened. Yeah. Okay. Gavaldic. Gavaldic. Okay. So up to Tashma. Okay. So let's just, uh, let's just get this answer. And that is, so how did we answer the question? How's the question answered now? Our Shiloh was... Um, if in all that matters is that the 
animal worked. So why in the ratio, when the owner only intended for the baby to nurse, was it allowed? The bottom line is she worked now, so she should be disqualified for being in Aglarufa. The answer is because you need avad dumya de uvad or uvad dumya de avad. And Mamela, when the owner has zero benefit whatsoever, totally does not care um, about the baby working, it's not considered work. So if his, if his intent was strictly to nurse from the mother, it's not even considered work in the first place. However, once his intent is, oh, look, the baby's there to nurse, and Grada, once it's there, Gavaldik, I'll have it work, Eichit. So now, all of a sudden, it's included in the Pasuk, and that's why it becomes forbidden. Okay, Gavaldik. Toshma, come and listen. Aveda lo'yishchatena lo'yal gabi mito v'lo'yal gabi mogod v'tzarchay. A person should not take something that they find. This is Hilchas Hashavah Saveda. You're not allowed to use anything for your personal needs. But if it needs it, then it is allowed. I'll explain this halach in a moment. If he has guests... Okay, so this is going to be a question on Abaye. Now let's explain what in the world is going on here. What's happening here? So this is a fascinating halacha lamaisa. Fascinating halacha lamaisa. Anything that I find, I need to announce. For example, let's say somebody finds a Sefer Torah. There's a simon. There's a sign. You're going to have to announce it. You're going to have to return it. A Sefer Torah gets ruined if it just sits there. Rabbi Yashiv actually has a fascinating psaac. He was asked if a shul has multiple Sefer Torah. Should you use the one that's more mohud or less mohud? So he says, if you always have a more mohudr Torah, you can use it more often, but you should never keep a kosher Sefer Torah unused. You always need to use it. First of all, it's a covenant for Sefer Torah. Second of all, the Sefer Torah gets ruined if you don't use it. The Mishnah in Elumitzias tells us that a Sefer should actually be rolled once every 30 days to ensure that the parchment and the letters stay fresh. See, here's what happens. I find the Sefer Torah. I want to show off. People don't know I found it. Expensive thing. Somebody comes to my house and like, let, let me show you something. Let me show you what we got. And I pull out a beautiful Sefer Torah. Start rolling it. Shmak, Gavaldic, unbelievable. Yeah? Us, sir. I'm using somebody else's property for my own gain. Can't do that. But to take out a Sefer Torah for its need, it needs to be rolled. Beseder. You're doing it for the Sefer Torah. You're, you're supposed to roll it. What happens if this happens to be day number 30, it needs to be rolled, and guests are coming over? So I'm like, yeah, Gavaldik, no, it needs to be rolled anyway. I have a chance to look good. Says the Breisa. Nothing doing. 
You still can't. You can't roll it on day 31. You can't do anything for your, for your uh, personal benefit with somebody else's property. Okay? Now, over here, the example the Gemara gives, it, the, the Bryce we just read, is not a safer tire. It's dealing with clothing. Okay? It's similar thing, though. The similar you said. Clothing gets all, you know, mothy and eh, it needs to be hung out and whatever. So you have a fancy thing, Gucci and Prada, whatever it is. So you put it out. You want to look like you got a brand name. So you can't do it if other people are around and it's going to do for your own personal benefit. But you see from over here, when something is unavoidable, something must be done, it's still going to be usher. That's a question on Abaye. Because Abaye said, once something is unavoidable, you're permitted to benefit from it. You're allowed to have intention to benefit. It must be Rob is correct. Answer the Gemara, Shani Hassam. The halacha of a Shabbos is different. The Kali La. Imishum Enabisha, Imishum Ganavi. When you take out something fancy that you found when other people are around, you know why you can't do it? First of all, because you think you're helping the thing, you, the, whatever you found, you're hurting it. First of all, because you, you're causing an eye and heart it. And secondly, people now know you have it. They might, uh, the word might get around. Somebody might come break in and steal your fancy purse, steal your safer terror. And then mainly you think you're doing good and then you're doing harm. Okay. Toshma. So we're still trying to prove Rabbi and Rava. When a person sells garments, you could sell them in the usual way. Very interesting halacha. The halacha is that you're not allowed to wear shotness for warmth. What happens if I'm allowed to sell shotness? So what, I'm allowed to sell shotness to goyim. What happens if I have shotness to sell? The way that people would sell things is by acting as a model. They would wear a nice garment. People would say, oh, that looks so good. I want to buy it. Are you allowed to model shotness? A seller. A tradesman. So it says you're allowed to. Except you can't wear this, the, the garment in its proper season. As long as you have kavana in the summer for your summer clothes, in the winter for your winter clothes. And people who are tznuim, uh, people who are yidin, who want to be ultra careful from averas, they would, instead of wearing it, they would put it on, you know, they put on top of a dummy, a mannequin. Mako is literally a, a walking stick that they commonly had. Now, over here, anybody could, you could just go put on a stick. We see, as long as you don't have kavana, you see, it's, it's allowed to do that. Says the Gemara, this is taka, a, a good kasha. And Rabbi Shimon obviously um, allows Hana'a. When something could have been avoided, as long as that's not your intent, this is taka a good raya period. End of the gemara. Okay, Duvaldi. Back to Pesach. Vilayasik boy. Not only are you not allowed to eat chametz and benefit from chametz. You can't even use burnt up chametz to be to be your coals, to stoke your coals to heat up the fire. Here we go. Zok the Gemara Tan Rabban the Rabbis learn so shui. Tan or shesika beklipe arla. If you have an oven that is being heated up with fruit peels that are arla, 
which again you can't eat or benefit from. Or straw from Kaleyakerem that is forbidden to benefit from. This is straw that was planted in a vineyard. Chodosh yutats, or chodosh from the uh, from the new crop. Dalacha is yutats. You have to get rid of the oven. You have to get rid of the oven. Yoshon, but if it was an old oven, yutsan, then all you got to do is cool it off now. Afa bayesapas, if a person baked bread while the Arla Klayim was in there. Rabbi Yomer Apasa Sura. Rabbi says the pas is what we'll call treif. You know, it's not really treif, but it's called it's Asr. You're not allowed to eat it because it's like you benefited you benefited from the forbidden. The Chum say there is no problem. It's not considered a direct benefit to the food. Now keep in mind the difference between an old oven and new oven, and this has and these halachas continue on that, is that ovens were made out of earth and they they got better and better every time a fire was lit in it so when but when some you know once it's an old oven so granted you know at a certain point it is what it is so if it's an old oven and i'm and i i'm heating it up with things that are forbidden to benefit from it's not impacting the oven so all i need to do afterwards is get rid of it and the oven's fine but if the oven is still newer every time i use it the oven's benefiting. So it doesn't help me to just get rid of my Arla peels, my um, Klein peels, so on and so forth. The whole oven has to be broken because it benefited from this fire if it was a newer oven. Bishla al Gabi Let's say um, he cooked the bread on top of the Gechalim of the Klein, Arla, etc. Everybody's going to agree that it is mutter to eat the bread. There's no problem. Okay? Why? Because um, coals is already considered enough gone that it's, it's uh, no longer has the status of Klai and Arla. Says the Gemara, but time we learned to the Brisa, Ben Chadash, Ben Yot, Ben Chadash, Ben. I botani we learned in the Braisa Ben Chadashu Ben Yashan Yutsan. Either way, you let the oven cool off. Why do we say if it's a new one, you gotta break it? Like Asha, Ha Rabbi, Vaha Rabbanon. There's Machoikas between Rabbi and the Rabbanon. He's more strict. He holds that it has to be uh, completely broken. We're gonna see Rabbi later on, and the Chachamim are going to be lenient. Amor Deshamis Leila Rabbi. Says Gemara, how could you say that uh, this that it must be burnt is the opinion of Rabbi Mishum the Yesh Shvach Eitzim Bepas? That's only true when there's Shvach Eitzim Bepas, when the bread actually gained from the wood that was in the oven. Because over there, Zevazeg Gaira Mishamasle, but over here, when you're not only gaining from the bread, you're also gaining from the oven. Mishamasle, did he say that? Um, did he say that it's going to be usher and you need to break the oven? Answer the Gemara, Elikasha, Harabalazar, Harabaliezer, I'm sorry, Harabanon, that this machlaikas, um, this difference between whether you need to break it, the oven, or you can keep it, is the machlaikas between Rebeliezer and the Rabbanon. Rebeliezer was of the opinion that if something benefits both from a heter and an iser, 
it is going to be Aser, even though there was Heter there, you follow the Iser, and the Rabbanon were, late, were uh, lenient, the Rabbanon were Mekel, and they hold that, no, you, you're not going to have to break down the oven. Says the Gemara, what's this Machlekes that we're referring to between Rebbe Liezer and the Rabbanon? Hey, Rebbe Liezer, Liezer, if we're dealing with Rebbe Liezer, of the yeast, the sa'ar, the leaven, meaning the tanam we learned in the Mishnah, let's say you have yeast that belong to chulin and that belong to truma, fell into dough, both the truma yeast and the chulin yeast by itself wouldn't have impacted this dough. It wasn't enough. But now that they both fell in, the dough was able to rise. It goes by whichever one fell in second. Because the first one wouldn't have impacted anything. The second one is what caused the creation. So in other words, if the chulin fell in first and the truma fell in second, I got a problem. Because now my truma fell into the dough. But if the truma fell in first, that's Kamisha Enai, it's like nothing, it didn't have an impact, and then the chulin falls in, you go, okay. Because the, the, by the time the yeast was enough yeast to impact the dough, that was Beseder. There's no difference in the order. Either way, it's not going to be Aser. Until each one has enough to be an issue. It doesn't go by which one is second. You talk a need each one to be able to stand on its own and have an impact. V'yomar Abai, and Abai explains this machlaik, that Rebbe Liazar only allows um, a regular Yisrael to eat, this, to eat this dough when the Iser was removed by the time that the permitted one fell in. Okay? So, meaning at Bishas Maisa, you didn't have any Iser there. But if it's still there, says Abai, Rebbe is still going to hold Aser. You see, this is the Rebbe who's of the opinion that Zevezegarem is Aser. Okay, we're going to hold it here for today. And tomorrow on Erev Shabbos, we will pick up from, we're going to ask a question on Abaye, who's explaining Rebbe Liezer to be to only allow it if you removed the Iser. We're going to question that, and we'll pick up Umemai the Haitaima from a few lines down on Chavzayin Amud Aleph.